0: You're listening to Talking Smart, the official podcast of the International Association of Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers. Paul Fimantel, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Ben Nagy.
1: Welcome to the ninth episode of Talking Smart. Each month, we bring you news, guests, and discussions of interest to smart members and working families across the United States and Canada. This episode is the second of two special election broadcasts. Our guest today is Richard Andrade. He has been a member of Local 1081 for 26 years, third-generation railroader, Andrade hired out with the Santa Fe Railroad, which is now BNSF, in 1994 when he became a member of our union. He is a certified engineer and a veteran of the United States Air Force. He serves on the State House's Land and Agriculture Public Safety and Transportation Committees. He first got involved as a union officer as the Alternate Legislative Representative for Local 1081 in Glendale, Arizona in 2002, and then he later became a legislative representative, a position he holds to this day.
0: He's also chairman of the Arizona Democratic Legislative Campaign Committee in a state that could potentially turn blue and brings his knowledge of railroad issues to the state legislature.
2: We always know our railroad retirement is always a target. We wanna use that to supplement social security, other safety issues that are constantly coming up, our working conditions that are constantly coming up and everything, And that's why it's so important to get involved in the political process and at the very least to vote. And I can't stress enough how how important it is to uh, go out and vote because our jobs are in jeopardy every day.
0: As a smart union member, he has stayed true to his working class roots and has been the go-to person for union members and workers across Arizona, looking for someone in an elected position who shares their values. He also sees the value of having more members run for public office.
2: It's key to encourage our union members to please run for political office. There's a lot of challenges, yes, but the challenge is getting elected. And once you're elected, then you can start introducing policy that really benefits working families.
1: In addition, listen for the open mic segment with General President Joseph Sellers at the end of this episode. He responds to a question about ideology and union endorsements. We are a labor organization
3: and we represent workers every day. As labor and workers, we are not single issue. And we don't endorse on ideology, but on who is best for working families, period.
0: Richard, we are happy to have you on this episode. Before we begin, I want to turn over to Ben Nagy, our colleague from Smart T D, to ask the first round of questions.
1: Hi, Richard. Uh, welcome. Uh, once again, uh, you and I have had some interactions uh, with uh, our business with SmartTD. I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast and taking uh, some well-needed time to uh, discuss your re-election uh, campaign and also uh, your career as both a Smart TD member and as a uh, political uh, representative.
2: Yes. Well, thank you, uh, first of all, Ben, for the invite and everything and to speak to our brothers and sisters and, and SMART and others.
1: Uh, so first off, I know that it's an interesting story about how you first got involved in public office. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: I got involved with our political system because I was always showing up to our union meetings. And guess what? I was elected to alternate legislative rep, and now I am currently serving as a legislative rep. Greg Hines, who is now our National Legislative Director in Washington, is the one that really tagged me along to go to a lot of political events. uh, Because showing us the importance of, and when I say us, the Union brothers and sisters, the importance of getting involved in the political system by making sure that we're emailing, talking, calling, writing to our legislators and people in Congress in Washington, DC. Why? Because we always know our railroad retirement is always a target because they want to use that to supplement social security, other safety issues that are constantly coming up, our working conditions that are constantly coming up and everything. And that's why it's so important to get involved in the political process and at the very least to vote. And I can't stress enough how how important it is to uh, go out and vote because our jobs are in jeopardy every day.
1: Your first uh, run for the political office, I know that you're seeking another term. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, that very first time, you know, how it was to kind of break the ice and what challenges you faced during that?
2: The very first time I ran, of course, I was running brand new. I uh, would lay awake in bed at night wondering, okay, where am I going to generate money? How am I going to get money? How am I going to raise money? (laughs) You know, because you you have to have money in order to uh, run for a political office and everything. But you know who came through for me? Were our unions. And once again, when it came to Greg Hines, he had great relationships with other unions and talking about me as being a first time candidate running for uh, political office, was able to talk to these organizations, to our other unions. And, and of course they were starting to uh, contribute to my campaigns. Now today I am seeking my fourth term. I'm termed out after this term. So it's very important to, that we have as, as union, as labor, have representation at the state capital here in Arizona, because we are a right to work for less state. And after I finish my fourth and final term in the state house, I'm planning on running for the Senate. Uh, There's gonna be a lot of challenges there too, because we're also going uh, in Arizona, we're gonna go through redistricting, which means they're gonna redraw all the lines. So we're gonna have to really pay careful attention and see what's gonna happen and see where those lines are drawn and see if I'm gonna be in a competitive district or, or in a non-competitive district. So there's a lot of concerns that we're gonna have to really watch out for in the, after this first uh, or after these next two years. So we're talking twenty twenty two.
1: As a follow up, uh, I know that uh you faced primary opposition the past uh couple uh times that you've run. Uh that sort of uh puts a few knots in your stomach as well, right?
2: Uh, This uh, Well, it was this last election cycle because the previous one, I ran unopposed, didn't have a primary. But this one was a tough primary because I was running against a dark money uh, special interest candidate. The special interest invested $120,000 into his race, the attack ads, the mailers, radio, the phone calls, the the texts that were constantly attacking me. But we overcame that because I stayed on message and the campaign stayed on message on, you know, talking the truth and telling the truth which is I am pro public education legislator. I am a veteran. Most importantly, I'm a union member. So we stayed on message throughout the whole campaign. And of course, it came out ahead. But we cannot dismiss because when I'm at the Capitol, yes, I represent smart TD, but I represent all our unions here in Arizona. And it was those unions that stepped up to the plate and got me across through the finish line. So thank you to all our our unions, because they are the ones that played a major role in my election slash election election cycle.
0: So, Brother Andrade, what are some of the key issues you've worked on as an Arizona state rep in recent years?
2: Well, because I am a veteran, I have actually got legislation through, meaning I'm the only House Democrat in the minority caucus that has gotten a number of bills across the finish line two of them to the governor and to a uh, lot more, about seven uh, total, five across both chambers and into the Secretary of State. Uh, just, we call them house concur memorials and those were basically addressing our veterans, National Guard members. I've also been a champion of adult size changing tables because nobody thinks about when you have a, a child or even a young adult with a disability and they need to be changed, uh, dirty restroom floor is unacceptable. So now we have a state law for our our public buildings where they have to install adult sized changing tables. So that was me because I championed that bill. Other legislation that I introduce is a lot of union legislation to help out our unions here in Arizona, because earlier I don't know if I mentioned, but we're a right to work for we call it right to work for less. So trying to work around the right to work for less and legislation that that basically gets our unions in the door, be able to talk to employees and, and future. Uh, union members, to be able to join a union and without having to be, you know, uh, the time constraints that a lot of them face every day.
0: So you mentioned being in a right-to-work state. I'm sure that's pretty frustrating. Um, but what, what has been most frustrating about your job,
2: as, as, as a, obviously, as a state representative? <laughs> well, and, and I'm always happy when I get legislation through, but there's more important pieces of legislation that I feel that it should be priority. And once again, when it comes to our unions and sponsoring that type of legislation, I mean, it's frustrating because, you know, it'll never see the light of day, meaning it'll never get heard in the committee. But some of the legislation that I sponsor for our unions is good legislation, which uh, one of them basically is going after people, um, misclassification of workers. That piece of legislation is now being looked at by the majority, and it's and that's something I might have to give up if we don't become the majority next uh, after November 3rd. If we're still in the minority, they're gonna pick up on my bill on the misclassification of workers. So a little frustrating at times, but at times I look at it as if it's gonna help everybody, then it's worth you know sacrificing certain bills. Mm-hmm. And that's one bill that's definitely needs to address the misclassification of workers.
0: Thomas Jefferson once said, Nobody owes us a democracy. If we want it, we have to work for it. Join your fellow smart members across the United States who, on this Monday, November 2nd, will be contacting their fellow members across the country from coast to coast to get out the vote by texting smart army to 21333. Message and data rates may apply. So, this union, there's a lot of leaders in this union. Uh, a lot of them are serving as business managers, business reps, uh, general chairpersons, local chairpersons, legislative reps, all across the board. And, and with all of this talent, there are so many union members across the country who, who really could probably, I would put a fair bet on the fact that they could probably do a better job than most of their elected representatives that are there currently, not you, but other people. So speaking to them, right, why is it important to have people like them, to have working people, such as yourself, such as other union members out there, SMART members, other unions as well, serving in in local, statewide, and national positions?
2: Because let's be really honest. I mean, who is supposed to represent you? When you go out and vote, hopefully you're voting for somebody that has your values, somebody who knows what you're going through. And that is why I always say it's so important for us as, as union members to get involved. But if you really desire to run, do it. Because that's what we're missing in our in our legislatures, that's what we're missing in Congress, that's what we're missing out know, at all levels of government, is proper representation. The values I take to the state house, I always say those are my union values. Because what do we talk about unions? As unions, we talk about quality, affordable health care, we talk about pensions, we talk about pay, we talk about safety. All those items uh, we could address through legislation. Uh, because, once again, when you look at the right to work for less, that tells me they want to pay somebody the least amount of money, amount of money no benefits, and we all need to go on vacation every once in a while because it's uh, when you don't go on vacation, you you're a little bit more stressed out. Taking care of our pensions, all these issues that I just mentioned, legislatures, because those are the government levels that impact your daily life more than the congressional. So at the local level, having local representation, that's why it's key for to encourage our union members to please run for political office. There's a lot of challenges, yes, but the challenge is getting elected. And once you're elected, then you can start introducing policy that really benefits working families.
1: Richard, it's Ben again. Uh, so you know, you mentioned all these sorts of issues. Uh, you know, obviously, right to work for less is a huge one. Uh, what are some of the other issues, as uh, both a union member and as uh, as a man with a family? Uh, I know that your wife, uh, you know, you mentioned on your webpage that your wife had a health challenge that she had to deal with, and then that there were other issues in Arizona. Uh, regarding immigration and and other issues like that. Uh, If you get reelected, how are you going to fight to change some of those issues?
2: Well, and once again, uh, hopefully we become the majority at the legislature because we are on the verge of turning Arizona blue. We're on the verge of becoming the majority in the state house and in the Senate and everything. So a lot of these issues that we're going to be able to bring to the table because before it was uh, we were at the mercy of the majority and they wouldn't want to listen to a lot of the bills that we bring forth and and so it's going to be even more important that when we take over that we could show the state and show our constituents that yes that we can govern when it comes to smart members when it comes to us and in the state itself things that we need to start addressing of course are two-person crews Uh, we need to start pushing that issue here in arizona it has been introduced and it's always failed in committee by party lines. Uh, So we need to push that issue through. We need to start addressing train lanes because they're running these monster trains, three-mile trains through our smaller communities where you're basically occupying every crossing in a small city. Even in Phoenix and Glendale, they're doing that. But another issue that has come up too is because the lobbyists are already making the rounds, and I had a meeting with one of them about two months ago through Zoom about giving tax credits to the short line railroads. And we all know what that is. That's a union buster, uh, job killing industry that's going to do our jobs for a lot less. And who does that benefit? We all know who that benefits. It doesn't benefit us railroaders. So that's why it's so important to uh, get back there in the state and start addressing some of these issues and saying, hey, no, you're not going to get tax credits. So that way your short line could expand and become more profitable. We already have those jobs. Let's hold on to these jobs because, once again, when it comes to our pay, when it comes to our health care, when it comes to our retirement, that's what we should really be concerned about. And that's the way we should be voting for it, it's for our paychecks.
1: And and speaking of you know, voting for your paycheck and, and your experience as a union representative, uh, you see a lot of crossover uh, between... Uh, your experience as a uh, union leader, and then also now you're a, a public leader. Uh, can you give a couple examples of how you know being a union rep uh, helps inform uh, your ability to serve the public?
2: Yes, because um, ex- excellent question. Thank you for that. Because I do represent a district where the average wage, uh, livable wage, is about thirty-two to thirty-four thousand dollars. So going to my constituency and talking about this is my push for better paying jobs and everything, well, we need to start not only addressing our livable wages and the benefits like affordable health care, but we also have to start talking because COVID-19 has shown us that we need paid family leave, we need paid time off. So that's issues that I know that my constituency is very concerned because when it comes to the essential employees, a lot of my constituency was still going to work under, you know, essential employees. And guess what? We also have the higher number of COVID cases within my own district as well. So being able to relate what I know as being a, a union member with my constituency goes hand in hand. And that's why I'm constantly, uh, being a loud voice of labor at the state house. And I have even the reputation of being the loudest voice of labor that the state of Arizona has seen in years. So that's very important to be able to relate both my union job, my union values with my constituency and my constituency about our union values.
0: So we understand you first got involved as a union officer and you were the alternate legislative rep for your local in Glendale. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey from being a union member to becoming the legislative rep to becoming the state elected official? Like what led you to want to transition from working to influence elected officials on issues that are important in working families to actually being the elected official?
2: I basically got tired of what was going on here in the state of Arizona. I, earlier when somebody asked about immigration 1070, which was show me your papers, which target our immigrant community. That got me fired up because I'm like, uh, we're all immigrants into this nation, regardless if you want to believe it or not. But we are And then followed by another, um, and these are social issues. I know they are social issues. And then the other one was the attack upon our LGBTQ community that once again, um, got me upset and said, no, I need, I want to run for a political office because at the end of the day, and the way I look at all this is we're all taxpayers at the end of the day, because we're doing grocery shopping, we're buying gas, we're, you know, renting houses or purchase homes and stuff, and we're still paying taxes. So at the end of the day, we're all taxpayers and we need to take care of taxpayers. And then you throw in the education piece and see how short shortchanged our schools are here in Arizona and how important even for us as union members, because we have families, we have children, we want to make sure they get a good quality of education. We also are very successful in sending our kids off to universities and colleges. And once again, when it comes to us as railroaders and we're helping our kids get through universities and college, we're bearing the cost of that too, because a lot of times uh, because of our pay. They don't qualify for a lot of grants or they don't qualify for assistance that comes out of our pockets as well. So there are so many issues that at the state level that I was concerned about that led me to run for political office. And not only that, being a union member and knowing that I was going to have labor behind me and labor took a, a chance as well because they were like, okay, is he going to really be able to do this? Is he going to really be able to run and win? And, and once he gets there, is he going to be able to represent us? And guess what? fulfilled all their obligations, plus some. So yes, it's very important to uh, be able to get up and say, I'm going to do it. And it does come at a great sacrifice because I mean, I'm constantly on the go when I'm, whether we're in session or out of session because we are not part-time like everybody believes we are.
1: Listen to episode eight, the first part of this special series where we interview Jeff Prophet, the business manager of Local 88 in Nevada and a candidate for the Clark County School Board. He talks about the blue collar values that drive his campaign. So, you know, coming up on November, uh, very, very consequential election, uh, and Arizona has kind of gone from being uh, solid red to one that's uh, almost a toss-up now with the presidential election. So, uh, you know, there's a little bit of hope there as far as some of the progress of uh, the issues that are very important to our union. Uh, What do you think has happened in the state that's kind of made it uh, a little bit more competitive and uh, a lot more exciting to watch uh, come November?
2: I don't know if you know this, but your union brother here is also the chairman on the Arizona Democratic Legislative Campaign Committee. So I had been playing a major role in making sure that we're, we're gonna get there and, and flip the state blue. So when it comes to the political atmosphere here, what really led that movement, of course, was education. Because education has not been properly funded and there has been surveys after surveys on, on our constituency among the citizens saying that our number one priority should be education, K-12, our community colleges and our universities and, co- and higher universities that has always been the the issue and the funding mechanism because our schools are crumbling they have outdated textbooks they do not have um, technology in the classrooms class sizes are overcrowded a lot of issues and then with COVID-19 which has complicated more things so when it comes to education and we all know once again we never quit learning even as railroaders uh, we have to go through rules and we have to know all the rules and and everything that we face on our jobs It's pretty hard to do that if you don't have a proper education. And we know firsthand the pathway to a good paying job is through education. One thing I always push here in our state is because I realize the importance of going to a college or university. But let's not forget the trades because you can earn a great living if you go through a trade as well. So I've also been vocal on that issue. The push for us to turn blue is because people are finally seeing that, you know what, our priorities need to, to be education. It needs to be uh, our infrastructure, transportation. Our roads are crumbling. We need to expand our roads. We need to put more money into our infrastructure as well. When it And of course, quality, affordable health care because of COVID-19. All these issues that I stand for, that I talk about, are issues that every Arizonian is uh, concerned about as well. So that's why it's so important that they're finally realizing people in the Arizona. Plus, a lot more people moving into the state are finally realizing, you know what, we don't like what's going on and we need to change. And so that's why I believe that we're gaining momentum and that we are on the verge of flipping Arizona blue. And on November 3rd, we're going to see it. And November 4th, we're going to celebrate. And November 5th, we're going to start governing.
0: The last part of your answer when you were talking about the trades, I, I can already see a lot of my sheet metal brothers and sisters nodding their heads. As you were talking, because that's a big topic of conversation with a lot of people that are out there across the country. Let me ask you this. Talking to them, what would you tell them and TD members as well across the union other other union people? What, what advice would you have for them if they're looking to run for office?
2: Talk to your family. Talk to your family first. And why? Because it is a great sacrifice. Like I so, said, I'm constantly on the go. Um, <laughs> I didn't qualify for a vacation last year. So I'm working on my uh, 14th month without a vacation. That's the sacrifices I make. Uh, Other sacrifices I make are uh, next session. I don't know if I'm gonna be granted a leave of absence because the carrier has quit granting leave of absence for political reasons. So once again, I'm gonna have to sacrifice some of my vacation time, personal leave days. It's a lot of sacrifice, but you have to have the support at home in order to do this running for the senate and i always tell everybody i'm going to make a run for the senate if i win that's going to be great because i'll be able to continue doing the work i'm doing if i lose still get to go back to my nice paying job my job which i also love as well being a certified locomotive engineer but the thing is if you're willing to make the sacrifice if you're willing to put in long hours if you're willing in, in phoenix go out and knock on doors when it's 118 degrees do it number one thing to remember is Make sure you establish relationships with all the unions in your, in your home state, because the only way we're going to be able to be successful is if we're standing in solidarity with our unions. And the one thing I, like I said, the reputation I have is being the loudest voice for labor in the state house. That has taken a lot. That has taken a lot of sacrifice. But you know what? When IBEW calls me and says, hey, we're having an event, guess where I'm at? I'm attending that event. When uh, another union says, hey, do you want to come by, like Teamsters, you want to come by for our Christmas party? I'm there. And that's the the sacrifices. Get invited and go eat or sit at a union table for, uh, you know, one of the dinners that one of the parties may have or something. If that's the biggest sacrifice we have to take in order to be able to push our concerns, it's worth it. Because the way I look at it, I'm serving, of course, my constituency comes first, my veterans come first, because I am a veteran. My union brothers and sisters come first. If those are the things you're fighting for, you, you can be nothing but successful. And that's why I always encourage everybody, if you're thinking about it, do it. But make sure you have the support.
0: Brother Andrade, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us here today. We know there's a lot going on in Arizona right now, a lot of good things that, that are brewing out there. Um, really appreciate your time today. You know what, really appreciate you putting the fight in and making the sacrifices that you've made uh, to, to push for working people. I know personally, I've been there with our brothers and sisters from Smart TD, our brothers and sisters from Sheet Metal, just here where I live in Virginia. And, and we had a big fight here recently uh, trying to get two-person crew passed. And it was, it was a heck of a fight. And, and we really wish we had some union members that were serving in the state legislature at that time. We had, we had one who happened to be from my district, but that was about it. But We wish there were a couple of more there. Uh, to help us with that fight and we really appreciate what you're doing and and you're a great world model and a great example for everybody else that's out there that are looking to run really appreciate it i want to thank you for being here on the show
2: thank you for the invite and looking forward to serving my fourth term and and uh let's do this let's get more elected
0: absolutely thank you
2: thank you thank you have a great day bye
0: thank you on a recent episode of the Break Time Breakdown, we were joined by smart local two brother Aaron Mays, where he talked about life as a sheet
1: metal worker. For the past, I don't know, six years or so, I've been doing the architectural side, diving headfirst into the world of politics. A bunch of my friends got together over a little incident that happened here in our hometown and said, We want you to be the mayor.
0: And offered advice to any other union tradespeople considering becoming public servants.
1: You want to jump in this, don't think, oh, I'm just some guy out here in a hard hat and blue jeans. Men in denim built this country. Men in suits have ruined it. Head over to www.smart110.org or search for us wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This is the open mic segment where we sit down with General President Joseph Sellers. General President Sellers, I want to welcome you to the broadcast.
3: Thank you, Paul. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and answer these questions.
0: This question that we have for today came from an individual who called from an unlisted number, did not leave a name or anything like that. And the question he asked is a question that we may have heard in a number of different corners. So here it is.
3: Why is our organization backing a socialist? And why do we want to go backwards instead of forwards? Could somebody please answer that that has the knowledge of what's really going on, thank you.
0: Uh, So, General President Sellers, how would you respond to that question?
3: Well, thank you, Paul. I would say that we are a labor organization and we represent workers every day. As labor and workers, we are not single issue and we don't endorse on ideology, but on who is best for working families, period safe workplace, retirement security and health care, which includes social security and Medicare. At the end of the day, that is Joe Biden for those and many other union values. See his video to our membership, sheet metal and transportation. The pandemic is out of control. The experts and the science is ignored. We are heading for a continued higher infection rate and an elongated economic devastation. The president was recently asked, if you had a chance to go back and change direction on the pandemic, would you? His response was, no, not really. In a cavalier, no, not really. Yes, he said this. And I say, no, not even one thing? You wouldn't change one thing? Not even what the experts in the science would do to save lives? Not even wear a mask. The most protected person in the world and his family got coronavirus. Each person wears a mask to protect others. I protect you and you protect me. When it comes to retirement securities and pension, again, see the Biden video. While Donald Trump committed to help but did nothing. Not even lifted a finger. Socialism. Is a broad term and is used to confuse people with communism social security medicare publicly funded roads firehouses police farm subsidies are all socialistic so were the stimulus checks the next stimulus package was passed by the house democratic majority on may 15th now five and a half months later the white house And the majority Republican Senate has failed workers again. We are labor and we need to stand with candidates who most represent our union values. And that is all day. Joe Biden. Thank you for your questions and please stay safe.